Hi, this is Ryan Briscoe, and you need more front wings. Welcome to another More Front Wing podcast. I'm Steph Wolcraft, joined by my co-editor, Paul Dalby. And we've got a few things that we want to dig into on the podcast for you tonight. And uh, that will include the rumors of the 2014 schedule that have started to circulate this week. Finally, took long enough this year. Uh, and a bit of a preview of the GoPro Grand Prix of Sonoma, including uh, who's going to be in what car. Plus, we get to have a chat with uh, J.R. Hildebrand, who will be in the Brian Herta Autosport number. 98 machine this coming weekend. Very pleased to have him on the show for the first time. Before we get into all of that, we want to tell you that this week's show has been brought to you by, doesn't really sound quite right, but this week's show we are supporting um, as part of a new initiative that we've launched at More Front Wing for that for three of the races through the rest of this season, the Greyhound Pets of America Indianapolis Chapter. And we're going to tell you more about why that is and how that came about later in the show. But that is uh, something that we wanted to mention up front because uh, this is a, a new program for us that we're very happy to be launching and supporting coming into our coverage of the GoPro Grand Prix of Sonoma this coming weekend. So before we get into all of that, let's start by talking about um, Robin Miller's article supplemented by some comments from a few other people, basically um, going over the 2014 schedule as it stands at the moment. And uh, Robin spoke with Mark Miles and got a great deal of information. Evidently, we are to expect 20 to 21 races, which is a significant increase, Um and yet there don't seem to be all that many additions to the the schedule. So I'm not sure how precisely we're landing at that number. But um, some of the, the specs that we're looking at, uh, we're looking to end the season by Labor Day. That is a topic, talking point in, its, in itself. Um, to get 20 to 21 races in and end by Labor Day, one has to presume that we're starting the season earlier. And I think that's something that that people have been clamming, clamoring, pardon me, for for a while. Um, but the uh, opinions on whether to end by Labor Day and not compete with the NFL seem to be pretty, um, pretty imbalanced. Some people think it's a good idea. Some people don't. Where do you stand on it, Paul? I don't think it's a bad thing. I think we discussed this previously. The NFL is just so big. You can talk all you want about. You know, you need to, if you're going to stand on your own, you've got to go up against the NFL. But there aren't really many sports leagues right now that are fit to go against the NFL. It's just that that big of a of a, a giant you're going up against. And if IndyCar is going to grow, they need to grow in a time when the NFL is still down. Um, you know, if that means ending by, by Labor Day, then that's what you need to do. You know, Someday, if if IndyCar gets to even say where NASCAR is or half of where NASCAR is, then you can look again at going back into September. But for this period of growth, you don't just take on the giant and, and you know kind of take on that scrappy do sort of mentality that you know I'm gonna I'm gonna beat my chest and I'm going to take take on the NFL toe to toe because you're just you're gonna lose, and Indy, IndyCar can't afford to lose right now. 
You and I did discuss this pretty recently because I remember us having the the discussion about whether it was realistic to to focus on Saturday races, but then you get into the college football thing, which we've already joked about many times. Um, so <laughs> I see it as a positive thing. I guess my one concern about it is that F1 goes into November, I think maybe even December this year, and, and uh, NASCAR goes into November. And so being off the grid for two months when two of the other major uh racing series are just getting into the meat of their schedule could come off as a bad thing. Um, but it's just so difficult to get around that, that problem of the NFL and, and going up against it, as you said. So, um, I think once you get past Labor Day, there aren't any events that really have any, any truly established, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't, they don't have any dates. Date equity. Are, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so I don't think you're you're harming anything that way. The one event that you could possibly say is starting to get that is Baltimore. But I, I think, um, and I don't recall. I'm sorry where I saw this one, but evidently it's going to be moving anyway, um, because I think we talked about this previously as well. Um, that there's a big college football game happening. Um, downtown Baltimore on Labor Day next year. So they are looking to fill possibly the gap um, in the schedule in August with, with that event, or maybe even move it to earlier in the year. Who knows? Um, since there will be quite a bit more earlier in the year to fill from the look of things. So um, it's... What to- concerns me, though, is what what do you do if Houston is successful and comes back next year? Do you really start to think about running Houston in July or August now? Or February? Can you run it in February next year? Why not? After you're running it in September this year, that you're only talking, what's five months difference? I don't see the problem. Four? It's not like it's been around. No, that's forever. pretty. No, but are you going to get people to come back to the same event five months from now? If it's a good event, why not? I mean that that. You look at some of the other events, they put tickets on sale eight, ten months in advance. Are you going to be able to just promote the next event you know, after September and say, hey, we're coming back in, what would that be, five months? Yeah, I think you're being a bit of a negative Nancy. I don't see the problem. If it gives the event a, a, some better date equity, I mean, it, it doesn't have that right now, to, to reuse your term, date equity. Um it doesn't have that right now. It's just back after a six-year hiatus as it is. So I think if it if moving it to the beginning of, of the year for a one-time sort of blip in people's expectations puts it in a better position going forward, I don't think that, that there's likely to be much complaint. That's my view on it. The right, right? it. It just seems like a very tall order to ask those organizers to – you know how how long has it taken them to plan for this event that they've got going this year? Sure, it's a it's a first year event, and there's a lot of ramp up to that. But I just don't know that that five months time is enough to really put on a successful event. Why not? It's not like you're asking you're them to a- do it for the first time. Heck, it might be easier. No. They might not have to to put the <laughs> the grandstands into long term storage. Maybe they can just shove them into the stadium or something. <laughs> I don't know. That. I don't know. I don't. I don't see it as being that big of a problem. It's happened before. Didn't didn't Brazil come off in like four or five months the first time they ran it? That was in freaking Brazil. 
Yeah, I guess they did, yeah. I don't know. I think I especially when it's one that you're about to run and and you you're about to go through the process, I don't see I don't see it as being a big problem. Uh, one of the other things that has been a hot-button topic, of course, is um, starting the month of May on the road course at Indianapolis. And I've given you your chance to rant about that before. Do you care to have another go at it? No, no, I still feel the same. Paul doesn't like <laughs> the idea. That's really all we need to know. I'm not completely sold on it either way. Your rant was mostly just against the road course, wasn't it? And that's sort of my my concern about it as well. I, I just don't think it's a, that great of an event, especially if it's an IndyCar standalone. If they found a way to work the sports cars in with it, maybe then it becomes a decent weekend event. <gasps> but, but then you're running cars on IMS in May that are not open-wheel cars, Paul. I know. It's hardly May, though. It's barely into May. <laughs> Anyway, I think we've had this conversation recently, so we probably don't need to have it again. But that brings in another element of the the dominoes falling, which is that Brazil clearly needs to move if we're getting to the point where it looks very likely that this this road course race at IMS is going to happen, which, I mean, we had heard not all that long ago that Brazil wasn't going to be happening. So apparently it is, and apparently it's moving. Where is it going to go? Earlier? No too? idea. I, I, I think it, I think you have to go earlier. For a little while. I think you have to go earlier. I think I think IndyCar hopefully has learned its lesson about going off continent at the end of the year. Uh, and you know, really, if you go to move it later in the year, you start to get into the Brazilian winter. Now, I don't know what type of climate they have there. Maybe winter there means absolutely nothing. I don't know, but. You know, it's just something different to look at. But I, I think if you're going to keep Brazil, I think it has to go earlier in the year. I don't think you want to break up momentum through the summer. If you're going to end early and you want to end with any sort of bang, you can't take two weeks off on either side of Brazil to go there in July or August and still wrap up by Labor Day. Yeah, well, tell that to the people who decided that the entire month of September should be open this year. Well, there is that. <laughs> yes. Um, so here's another interesting um, set of circumstances. Pocono evidently will be a 500-miler, which is something that we were kind of expecting all along. I think the only reason that it wasn't a 400-miler this year was because the whole Triple Crown idea came along sort of late, and ABC didn't want to accommodate the TV window. So um, apparently that is going to happen for 2014. And... Uh, Robin also said in his article that it's likely that Fontana will move into June so that the three Triple Crown races run June, July, and August. That gives me two questions. One is, don't we have all of our oval races pretty well clumped up in the June part of the schedule anyway, which is probably in itself a bad thing? And two, if we're not going to run at Fontana for the for the finale and we're not going to add any new venues, where the heck is the season going to end? Not Sonoma, I hope. I hope not Baltimore. Can't be Baltimore. I don't want to end it up. Well, I guess That's right. they would have no. to move Sonoma if they were going to end it at Baltimore. But I don't see that happening. 
Sonoma is mm. one date that you really don't want to mess with. So where would where's the closer going to be? Right? Yeah, you can't end it at Sonoma. Uh, well, there was talk at one point in time of Kentucky maybe coming back, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen for 14. It doesn't sound like there are going to be any new venues for 14, according to Robin. Well, not unless, yet. Unless yeah. they just are keeping their cards close to their chest. But... Yeah, I don't know what else is left. I mean, what do you have late in the year? I mean, unless something gets shuffled back that's maybe in that June time frame now, could... Texas? You know, no, Iowa... because Texas has is, is got a race around then with NASCAR, don't they? Early November. They're in the they're in the chase, aren't they? Yeah. So I, I think, think they're, they're not until beginning of November, early November. late October. Yeah, I don't know you if Eddie Gossage would be okay with that. I don't well, know. You're still talking two months. Mm. I mean, he's got about that between his 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 spring NASCAR and IndyCar race now. So he could possibly go to Texas there. Um, and you know they they've got a lot of of history with the season finale. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's about the only thing. This certainly think one of. to consider. Yeah. So I don't think you want to move Iowa. No, Iowa's you got don't a good mess thing with going Iowa. with it. You got a good thing going with its race weekend. That's pretty stable now. You probably couldn't really. Milwaukee may be one Milwaukee. that might have to be moved. No, I don't. I don't think. What's you that? Mess with, I don't think you could take Milwaukee out of June. I think it's bad enough that it's not immediately after Indy. Right. Texas is the only thing that makes but any yeah, sense. Yeah, Texas is about the only one you could do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. If you want to put Fontana in June. And boy, you're asking a lot of the teams, though, to run Indianapolis, Fontana a handful of weeks later, and then Pocono only a couple weeks after that. Three 500-mile races in, what are you talking, five, six weeks? <laughs> throw in a double, Throw in a doubleheader at Detroit. Cap it uh, off at the end with probably... a, yeah, with a double header in Toronto as well. Uh, presuming those are coming back, Robert seems to think they are, which is um, definitely yeah, you... in contrast to what what the drivers uh, were saying at the beginning of the year in interviews, which is that they thought it would be a one and done, and that that it was sort of Randy's pet project that would never live on. Well, it seems like um, somebody wants it too. So, well, I think the I think the the business side of the sport has seen the benefit of it. Whether you, whether it's IndyCar administration or the or the promoters, I think we saw at Toronto this year how much more substantial the gate was on Saturday, without seeming to negatively affect what we saw on Sunday. So it seemed to be a, certainly a net positive. TV ratings they're still not great, but you're going to get a lot better on a Saturday race than you were either a not having anything on Saturday or just the qualifying show. So all of the the metrics seem to be up across the board for the doubleheader weekends. And I think they definitely see it, A, as a way to build your race count, and B, as bringing more eyeballs and dollars into the sport. So I think I think that not only will we see them return, I think we'll see more of them next year. And I think Robin even alluded to the fact that St. Pete may be trying to pick one up as well next year. Yes, he did. 
which kind of makes sense. I think we we discussed that after Toronto, that for the format of the weekend, it makes sense if you're going to draw a line somewhere, make the street courses, the double headers, and the um, the permanent road courses not and and. Uh, it sort of goes along with the atmosphere that each event tries to create, and and um, it it creates a delineation so that not every course has a leg to stand on coming up to IndyCar with their you know their hands out saying, "Hey, we want this too." So, anyhow, um, I think that covers everything in terms of schedule rumors that I've seen up to this point. Have, have I missed anything as far as you know? No, I think that pretty much covered it. You know, you said earlier about how they were greatly increasing the the race count. Well, we're only going to increase it by one or two races. We're at 19 this year, and if we're going to 20 or 21, that's right. I that keep forgetting because be. I keep counting weekends, not races, because I think it's right. 16 weekends and 19 races, right? That sounds right. Maybe yeah. 17 weekends. So. Yeah. Right. So that could be if we come back with the same schedule, or at least the same events this year, plus the Indianapolis weekend kicking off May. Right. That gets us to 20. Okay. Throw in a doubleheader at St. Pete, and that's 21. Right. Okay. Well, that's uh, that will be interesting to follow. I mean, my sense is that there's not going to be nearly as much um, that's going to be known ahead of when the schedule actually is released, as there may have been during the, the Randy Bernard administration. Um, but I don't think that we're looking to have any big, exciting surprises on this one. So we shall see what happens. Let's turn our minds to the upcoming weekend at the uh, GoPro Grand Prix of Sonoma. This is an interesting one because um, the only series, the only, sorry, IndyCar um, ladder series that is making the haul all the way out to Sonoma this year is the Eyes on IndyCar series. There are no junior formulas racing this weekend. So I was taking a look at the schedule today and thinking to myself, oh, it's going to be a pretty relaxed weekend. <laughs> um, World Challenge is racing, and uh, I think uh, not Lamborghini Serpy Trophy, maybe a Ferrari series and one more. Um, but the only IndyCar ladder series that's racing right now, right this weekend, is the big cars. So should make for a pretty uh, laid-back schedule for, for those of us who like to be there and be involved in everything. Um, let's talk about who the driver changes are that we're aware of so far in the field. The number 18 uh, lottery has been won this weekend by James Davison. He'll be back for his second go um, at Dale Coin Racing. So we presume that uh, Dale was happy with his first go at it at Mid-Ohio. Um, and Ryan Briscoe is back in the Panther Racing Machine, the number four, uh, after his wrist injury, making his comeback from the uh, the injury he sustained in race one at Toronto. And um, all signs point to that that relationship developing very nicely. So, and of course, Ryan is the repeat race or as the uh, the reigning race winner here so um much is being made of that and uh we shall see if that team and ryan can put anything together in terms of some uh, some in spite of that probably would be considered surprising results this weekend so um and the other one that we know about at this stage is J.R. Hildebrand who will be in the number 98 brian herda autosport machine um 
flipping back and forth in that ride, of course, with Luca Filippi as they decide what they're going to do with their uh, their 2014 program, whether, whether it will be one or two cars and who will be in those cars. I had a chance to sit down with J.R. Hildebrand uh, a little earlier on to uh, to go over that um, that process of sort of the audition for the seat, if you will, and uh, a number of other topics, including uh, what he was feeling coming out of everything that happened in Indianapolis and what he's been up to since, how singular his goal has been to get back in IndyCar as opposed to looking to to drive elsewhere, and um, also watching some of the uh, some of his compatriots that he's come up through the junior ranks with. With, uh, watching them win races this year and uh, seeing them develop some success and his feelings on that. So really, it was a really uh, excellent chat with J.R. Hildebrand, and let's give that a listen right now. Steph Walcraft of MoreFrontWing.com is here speaking with the driver of the number 98 machine for Brian Hunter Autosport this weekend at Sonoma and uh, coming up at the uh, the race at Fontana as well, the MAV TV 500, J.R. Hildebrand. J.R., thank you so much for taking some time from what's uh, no doubt a very busy lead-up to the race weekend uh, to speak with us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that's what. Thanks for having me on. So, um, let's start by talking about how this opportunity came up to race with Brian Herta Autosport at uh, at Sonoma, which of course uh, is your home track and uh, track that you no doubt know extremely well. And um, maybe a little bit also about what you're hoping to achieve this weekend. Yeah, I mean, um, I've I've known Brian for quite a while, back from when I was uh, racing at 2000 and did the Team USA scholarship. He was one of the first recipients of it, so. Um, you know, since back sort of 2005, 2006, um, you know, he's, he's been a guy that I've known to some degree and, you know, felt like I could go to, to, you know, ask advice or, you know, see what he thought about, you know, how things looked, uh, while I was on the way up the ladder. And, um, actually after I'd won the Indy Lights Championship, um, I sort of ended up spending a season between Indy Lights and Indy Cars. And, you know, he was a guy that we were, was always, keen to try to kind of get something together and um you know certainly i was i was uh in the same i sort of reciprocated that um so you know i think after quite a while of just being in touch and being on good terms and and all that kind of stuff once um you know the driver change was made on on his side um you know we 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 had actually spoken before that about you know, kind of where they were at next year and, and how that was looking. Um, and so we we managed to put a deal together to, to run a couple of races this season, sort of looking to feel a situation out, um, you know, potentially for the future. So that's sort of how that all went down. And, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to running at Sonoma and at Fontana. You know, they're both California races, um, you know, and both, both racetracks that, over the years, obviously, you know, Fontana just last year, um, you know, and Sonoma more over the kind of duration of my career that I've had good success at. So uh, places that I'm really looking forward to. And I think as far as expectations go, you know, yeah, I don't think the expectations are incredibly high. You know, it's largely because they're both tracks that are very sort of conditions dependent um you know they're they're a little bit tough to put your finger on you know Penske has historically been extremely good here at Sonoma but not a lot of other teams have had a consistent track record here so um you know we're looking to just you know work together well as a team um be smart about the decisions that we make and 
um, you know, for me, it's it's certainly exciting to have a little bit of a a fresh start with a with a new team and a different environment coming here. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Great. Um, something that's got to be top of mind for you is the fact that there is uh, somebody else who's also auditioning uh, for for that seat with Brian Autosport with uh, Luca Filippi, who's running. Um, we now know Baltimore and Houston for the team. Does that add any pressure to you to to um, or change your approach in any way to those two races? Um, you know, not really. Uh, Luca's actually here, so he he'll be you know sort of hanging around and uh, sitting on the debriefs and. I'm trying to convince him maybe to go out and watch a couple of corners for me. So hopefully it'll <laughs> hopefully he'll actually be of some help this weekend rather than being a, a, a stress adder. But um, you know I think that's that's just the, the nature of how these things kind of go. You know I know Brian would like to be running two cars next year. So um, you know I don't really look at it. You know at this point in terms of how I'm approaching it, you know I'm not looking at it as like a competition between us. Um, you know, I look at it as an opportunity for me to for me to come out and you know work with some new guys and um, you know show what I can do and we'll just kind of see how things shake out at the end of the year. Obviously, Luca had had quite a bit of speed in Mid Ohio. The weekend, from a results standpoint, didn't really go the direction that uh, I'm sure any any of them would have liked. But um, you know, I think more than anything, you know, we hope over these few races that. Between the two of us, we can kind of help the team get some results, and we'll see how things shake out. Great. Um, we, you've got the Formula Drift um, that you've got going on, uh, sort of on the side, but uh, since Indianapolis, it really has seemed as though your singular focus has been IndyCar. Like a lot of guys, when they when they're out of a ride in IndyCar, they'll sort of They'll they'll go around in sports cars for a while, or they'll sort of explore different options. You seem to be very focused on getting back into open wheel as your goal. Would you say that that's an accurate statement? And if so, what's the reasoning for that? Yeah, that's definitely accurate. I mean, I think it's it's always tough if you've got a if you're in this kind of position through an off season. It's a little bit easier to you know get yourself in a ride doing something else. Um, it's so it's kind of a a circumstance where it was both a little bit difficult to wedge myself into, you know, r- driving other cars, you know, now that we're already kind of in the middle of the season. Um, and on top of that, or, you know, or secondary to that or whatever, um, you know, I, I want to be back in an Indy car. Like that's my primary focus. And so when it became evident that it was kind of going to, it was going to be a little bit tough just to, you know, get a bunch of races together kind of doing anything, um, you know, at that stage we focused much more on just getting back into an IndyCar. Um, you know, it was sort of, it was actually sort of refreshing for a couple of races to walk around the paddock and kind of see the level of interest and, um, you know, sort of backing that a lot of people had to try to put something together, whether it was for this year or for next year. So, you know, I sort of just ran with that, and um, you know, obviously that's that's turned into getting back in a seat for for a couple of races here. So, um, it, varying factors played into that, but you know, largely to your point, um, just a real interest in getting back in in the series. Great. Um, 
of course, you've been keeping busy in the meantime. Uh, you've been mentioning things like uh, being involved in the uh, Team USA scholarship, uh, getting involved in the, the judging for that. And um, I know that you were also on the uh, the USF 2000 summary broadcast that was on NBC Sports Network. How have you been enjoying sort of those side projects while you've had the, the primary focus of getting back in a car? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it sucks on race day to be watching it either from, you know, the pit lane or from, from a TV somewhere. But um, beyond that, you know, it's actually been – it's I've been able to do a lot of other stuff that you wouldn't normally have time to do. So, um, you know, our summers get lost sort of in the middle of the racing season. And so that's been – there's been an element to that that hasn't been so bad. Uh, you know, and I think as it as it would turn out, you know, um, I think we all get into we all get into motor racing because we really just like cars and racing and you know whatever. So I've had an opportunity to to do some other things and um, get involved in a few other projects. And um, you know that's certainly uh, it's been keeping me busy while I've been putting putting the program together to get back in the car. So it certainly hasn't been all bad. So when you look back now, being in the situation where you are now, where you are starting to get where you are going to be back in the car for a couple of races and you're looking at a very realistic chance of having a program for next year, when you look back now on the situation that you were in immediately following Indianapolis, how do you reflect on that time and and, uh, do you see it any differently now than you did then? Um, You know, to be fair, like I don't really – reflect back on it that much um just because it sort of is what it is i mean it's obviously it's certainly not how i would have uh sort of you know it's not it's not how you prefer for things to happen but having said that um you know it hasn't been all bad in the big scheme of things um you know obviously i've had a chance to start exploring different options to, you know, be in sort of a fresh environment elsewhere. And, you know, that's, I think, been been healthy in a sense, probably for, you know, both myself and for Panther. So, um, you know, it's it was a disappointing way for the whole thing to end, for sure, because there were a lot of things that were really good about, um, about being there. And there was a lot of things that I think we, you know, a lot of places that we had a chance to show up and be quite successful at. And I think, you know, as, as Panther has gone through this same process kind of on the other side of the coin, um, it's obviously gone through some, you know, trials and tribulations through that process, but, you know, they've started to kind of get on track and they've made some more adjustments after I've left and, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, sometimes changes need to be made on in one way or another, and I think that um, you know, I've, I th- I look at it and think that being able to look back on how things have gone and the way that certain races went or the way that certain circumstances went down or whatever, you know, I've learned a lot from that. And uh, you know, obviously through the opportunity to run with those guys for two and a half years as a rookie, and then up through this year, you know, I've gained a lot of experience that I can take elsewhere and, and put to good use. So um, I, I certainly don't look at it in a in a negative light and, um, you know, really at this point just try to take advantage of the positives that are there. Very well said. Um, 
it's fairly well known also that you had uh, the scholarship for MIT um, sort of when you were at about the time when you were looking to get into IndyCar and you made the decision to, to keep racing through this process of um, being out of ride and then trying to find your way back in. Did you ever have that moment where you thought, oh, maybe I should give this up and go do that? Or maybe maybe this is not the path that I want to take anymore? Or, or did you just never have a doubt that racing was, was your, where you wanted your life to be? Well, you know, I mean, you. I think the thing about it is is that you never really – like that's something that always kind of is something that I think about, you know, and it's not, it's not in the, it's not in the way of like that I'm questioning whether I should continue with my racing career, but there's, you know, there's a lot of times that I kind of sit there and go, man, you know, like, is there a way that I could take some classes while I'm racing or whatever? So, you know, for sure. I think if, if I ever made the decision, like, I'm just going to quit racing, that that's what I would do. Like, I'd go back to school and I'd get a degree and I'd probably get myself back involved in racing in some other way. But, um, you know, through this process, you know, while that's something that I've certainly thought about, it's not something that I've, you know, considered. Like, I'm not, I'm not giving up. I'm there, certainly, there was never a point that I thought, oh, I'm going to give up on racing or, you know, nobody's just sticking their hand out and offering me a ride. Like I might as well just go back to school or whatever. Um, you know, I think being in it as, as long as I have, even up to this point, you know, you kind of recognize that things take a little bit of time and then they, you know, kick back in the gear if they're going to kick back into the gear. And, um, yes, but, but I think there's an element to looking at things a little bit more, you know, with a little bit more of a broad perspective on seeing what else is out there and kind of looking at what different options are available within the racing community and and all that can talking to people that, you know, I mean, I, I've talked to people in the IndyCar paddock even that I rarely say more than hello to on the pit lane, you know. Um, so it's been, a, it's been sort of a refreshing way to get a bit more perspective on, on what's going on and um, different things that are sort of available, whether, you know, now or maybe down the road. But I guess to get back to the initial question, um, you know, going back to school full time um, hasn't really been a major consideration. Right. Uh there have been a couple of the guys that you came up through the junior ranks with who have gotten their first wins this year, uh, James Hinchcliffe, Charlie Kimball, um, I suppose does that surprise you is not really the right way to put it, but does that give you how would you how would you describe sort of the level of competition and how you see it from where you're sitting right now based on what you're seeing all these guys that you've raced with for much of your career finding the success with in this season? Yeah, I mean I think, you know, uh, the series is is obviously like extremely competitive. Um, and so that's something that I think it's just a given. I, I think you could ask Dario or Will that, and they'd tell you that, um, even from, from their perspective, running with sort of the stalwart teams and um, having as much success as they've had. Um, you know, it, 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 but, it, you know, having said that, I think we all thought, you know, individually or together when we were racing against each other in Indy Life that, you know, we could move up to IndyCar and be competitive. And, 
it's taken a couple of, you know, I think all of us have had, had over the last couple of years, over our first couple of years in the series, I mean, I think we all made our debut in the series in 2011. Um, you know, we all had kind of moments of, of brilliance, but couldn't really put it all together. Um, and, you know, those guys have gone on, you know, Hinch and, and Charlie obviously have gone on to, to do that, to do just that, you know, put it all together this year. Um, and does that surprise me at all? No. And I think, if anything, I look at that and go, you know, I think that in a in a similar circumstance or a similar situation, I, without that happening, I was confident that we could win races because I knew that we were pretty close to winning some races. There have been, you know, three or four events over the last couple of years that had, you know, I'd done a couple of things a little bit differently or had circumstances worked out a little bit differently or whatever that I think we could have been in victory lane. So um, to see those guys, you know, finally sort of closing the deal this year, um, I think just gives me confidence that, you know, when I can put myself back in a situation that's, um, that's competitive, that, you know, I can use what I've learned just like those guys have to, to do the same thing. So it's certainly, I think it's a good thing to see, some of the younger guys and certainly a younger crop of guys that have come up through, um, you know, what is now turned into the Mazda Road to Indy, um, doing as well as they have. Great. Well, I mean, certainly I expect that uh, a lot of people will be watching you and hoping that you and Brian Hurd Autosport can find some success this weekend and as the program develops going forward. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and best of luck this weekend and, uh, and going forward. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Great to have JR on the podcast for the first time and uh, very interesting, I thought, to hear him mention that uh, he and Luca will be, um, are, are possibly the two drivers that are up for consideration for those uh, two seats that Brian Herta is looking to have for 2013, or sorry, 2014. Everybody up north up here seems to be under the impression that TAG is str- at least strongly under consideration, if not already booked into one of those cars so I was a bit surprised to hear JR say that although I'm sure it's not without good good reason um you had sort of before we started talking mentioned that you had some some doubts about that did you want to elaborate through that I just think the way that he was kind of kicked out of that seat for the rest of the year kind of showed that that uh you know the team was really looking to go in a different direction especially with as lackluster as their results have been this year. They've really struggled all year long, uh, finding the chemistry, making that that entry work, really, which was such a surprise because they finished the season so strong last year after they made the switch from Lotus to Honda. We really expected big things out of that entry this, you know, throughout 2013, and he was my pick to be, you know, the next first-time winner in the IndyCar series, and it just hasn't happened. I mean, they haven't had any results. I mean, some of it because of bad luck, some of it because of uh, just circumstances that have affected the team. Uh, so the way he was kind of let go or at least moved out of that seat mid-season, it's just not typically a move of a team that would still be evaluating tag for next year. Um, so I'm not surprised to hear that maybe he isn't one of the top couple runners in position for one of those seats next year. Right, but the the line that we've been fed all along is that um, Alex was moved or, or 
willingly, excuse me, moved out of the seat to allow for a driver to be auditioned for a second car and that it was it was a mutual decision. Um, and that is certainly the line that all of the uh, Canadian journalists are parroting. So um, whether there's any truth to it, I suppose time will tell. But um, it the impression that people were given, at least up north, was um, that it wasn't as sinister a move as okay, you're fired because we're going to go find somebody else now, that there was there was more depth to it than that. But that may have just been for appearances. Who knows? I know at least a couple yeah, of people up very, here are sort of clinging on to it. So. It seems very similar to the line we heard, though, from Sam Schmidt in 2011 mm. when Tag was kind of moved out of that ride and Dan Weldon ended up there um, starting at Kentucky that year. And I think they had said that it was – you know, and maybe in preparation for Dan running a second car at Las Vegas, uh, but it, w- it, w- it was pretty clear at the time that Tag wasn't going to return to that seat. It just kind of has that same sense this year as well. At least it, it seems that way to me. Well, as I said, only time will tell. So, uh, who you got for this weekend? What's your pick? Boy, it's hard to uh, to bet against those Ganassi guys. They are on fire now. Um, I'm gonna, not going to go on a very thin limb. I'm going to take Dixon again this weekend. Yeah, that was going to be my pick as well. I'm not feeling particularly creative, but, I mean, if you look back on the win list, actually Penske has uh, tended to be very strong here. Um, so it's not mm-hmm. completely crazy to think that Elio has a pretty good shot. He's, uh, you know itching to, to stretch out his lead in the championship. And he has a win here, uh, 2008, I believe it was. So um, it's it's not outside the realm of possibility, but we have seen how strong those Ganassi cars have been for the last few races as they've, uh, they've rediscovered their stride. So it, it's def- very, very difficult to bet against Dixon, who, um, of course, himself has his uh, championship hopes um, looking to 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 close the deal as they say for 2013 so we shall see how that shakes out um so just a couple of uh, sort of housekeeping notes before we sign off we did post um yesterday by the time you you listen to this our sonoma event summary so if you're looking for the weekend schedule a uh, weather forecasts pre-race statistics track maps all that fun stuff you can find it there and you can always find our most recent event summary at morefrontwing.com slash event summary and at the beginning of the show, we promised to let you in on this um, this charity initiative that we have going on, and uh, we're very, very excited to be able to be a part of this program. So what happened with this is we were approached by somebody who was willing to um, offer us some sponsorship to get to three of the four races that remain for, for this year. Um, which is a really fantastic opportunity for us. We're very grateful to be able to get out to racetracks and uh, and provide on-the-ground coverage to you because that is uh, some of our favorite thing to do and uh, where we hope that we serve you best um, as, as fans of the sport that you are. So uh, when that came up, our sponsor um, did not want to associate a name of a business with his sponsorship. Instead, he decided that he wanted us to support in each of those three weekends, a different Indianapolis area charity 
and um, and promote those charities and their causes and uh, try to raise some funds for them through our coverage. And uh, it, it was a really, really um, benevolent move on his part. Um, the charities that we that we've contacted are very excited. The one that we're we're pairing with the Go program, Priya Sonoma, and our coverage this weekend is the. Indianapolis chapter of Greyhound Pets of America, which is a charity that's dedicated to finding loving homes for retired racing greyhounds. And I know that this is a cause that is very close to the hearts of many people who have, who've owned greyhounds and, um, and loved them as uh, being very sweet and, uh, and loving dogs that they are. So if you do happen to catch any of our coverage from the track this weekend and you enjoy it, please consider um, sending them a small donation. You can find them at GPA indie.org and they have a donate button for uh, uh, PayPal and credit cards right on their front page so they would greatly appreciate your support we would greatly appreciate you showing them some support and thanks to our sponsor and if you uh, if you do happen to enjoy our coverage from the track this weekend you'll see banners on our pages throughout the site any page that's uh, that's dedicated to the Go program, Priya Sonoma will have that banner on it as well, which will make it easier for you to find. You can click on those and it'll take you directly to the GPA Indie website where you can make a donation. So I think with that, Paul, we're ready to call it a day unless I've missed something glaring. I don't believe you have. Okay. Great. So uh, please keep an eye on morefrontwing.com all weekend while we bring you uh, as much information and opinion and observation as we can directly from Trackside at the Go program Prix of Sonoma. And we'll be back next week to wrap up all of the events of the weekend and uh, and uh, start to look ahead to the race in Baltimore. And in the meantime, if you need IndyCar news and views, get a grip with More Front Wing. <laughs>